Good morning. So great to be back with you again uh, to continue our series entitled Why Jesus. Thank you to all of those who have participated in the service today, to our music team, uh, to Wayne, uh, to Lisa for all the details she takes care of well in advance, which I very much appreciate, uh, our AV team, uh, and everyone involved, and to Dave. I wish I could bring Dave with me every week. They have that professional reading of God's Word. That's outstanding. Uh, and I really appreciate that for sure. This morning we continue to study the Gospel of John in this series entitled Why Jesus? And once again, the guiding questions behind the series are incredibly important for all of us to consider. Why Jesus? Why should I believe in him and follow him? Why Jesus? Why should I give my life to him? With these questions in mind, again, we turn to the scriptures that have just been read for us in John chapter 12. And as I prayerfully read and reread that passage, uh, you may have noticed a word that appeared uh, a number of times. I don't know whether you did or didn't, but again, I read it a number of times in the week that has passed. And in doing so, the word glory, glorify, or glorified appeared. Uh, five times if you go back to verse 16 through our scripture reading this morning. Look at verses 16, verse 23, and verse 28. Expositionally, there's an awful lot in this passage that we could sort of break down and go through this morning. But we want to stay true to this series theme, Why Jesus? And in order to do that, I want to focus on verses 27 and 28 this morning and sort of expand uh, our look through scriptures at some thoughts related to what we find here. Here in these words of Jesus, let me reread them again. Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this purpose I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. The purpose of Jesus Christ's life was to bring glory to his Father, and he did that through fulfilling the Father's will by going to the cross and suffering for the sins of the world. The purpose of Jesus Christ was bring, to bring glory to God the Father. What does it mean to glorify God? To glorify God is to bring him honor. One scholar has said that our lives are to magnify the splendor of God's goodness and in the process cause those around us to praise his name. Now, let me bring this back to our series theme, Why Jesus? Why should we believe Jesus? Why should we follow Jesus? Well, my prayerful response to these questions this morning is this. When we put our faith in Jesus Christ and determine to follow him, our lives now have an incredible present and eternal purpose, which is to glorify God. In our text, Jesus said, but for this purpose I have come to this hour, Father, glorify your name. Why Jesus? Because to believe and follow Jesus gives our lives incredible meaning and follow and allows us to fulfill God's purpose in our lives, which again is to glorify him. We're going to move around the scriptures quite a bit this morning, um, so try to follow along as we do that. We won't turn to them all, but in Ephesians chapter 1, a chapter that's familiar no doubt to many of you, we read there that we have been chosen, predestined, adopted, uh, redeemed, forgiven, and sealed for what purpose? What does Paul write that three times over in that passage, look, you've been forgiven, Dale, you've been redeemed. 
you, you, you've been bought with a price. You've been adopted into God's family through faith in Jesus Christ. And all of this, why? Three times over, verses 6, 12, and 14 in Ephesians 1, for the praise of his what? Glory. For the praise of his glory. And so when we put our faith in Jesus, the big picture purpose of our life is to glorify him. The big picture purpose of the Christian life is to bring glory to God. That was the purpose of Jesus Christ, and it's your purpose and it's mine when we come to faith in him. Why Jesus? <laughs> there we find eternal meaning for our lives. So many people, what, what am I going to do with my life? What should I do? I have no purpose. I have no meaning. I have no sense of direction. I, hey, when we accept Christ, we have an eternal purpose. And that purpose is, generally speaking, big picture, to bring glory to God. So the question becomes this morning, or the question that, that sort of stuck in my mind this, this week is this. How do I bring glory to God? How do I do that? <laughs> you see, sermons that never get to how miss the mark in my book. Right? We, we, we need to get something practical from God's guidebook to our lives each and every Sunday. We need to answer the question, how? And so we're going to get to how this morning uh, by answering this question. How do I bring glory to God? Here's three thoughts for us today. And let me share these thoughts with you. We glorify God simply with our character, with our conduct, and with our collective commitment to unity. Aha. Uh -huh. The Lord's taken me on a journey this week, trust me. A journey through the scriptures, prayerfully guided by his Holy Spirit. And he's taught me, Dale, you want to glorify my name? That's, that, that's the big picture purpose of your life, pal. <laughs> that's why I saved you. And here's how you're going to do it. You're going to do it through character that reflects the life of Jesus Christ. Through conduct that reflects the life of Jesus Christ. And you're going to commit yourself to collective unity as you seek to glorify me. Let's consider these three points this morning. First of all, we glorify our Lord with our character. John chapter 15, verse 8 says this, This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Why Jesus? Why Jesus? Well, as this chapter teaches in John 15, which I don't want to steal the thunder of because somebody's going to get there in a few weeks, right, as this study continues, no doubt. But as this chapter teaches, when we exercise faith in Jesus Christ and seek to remain close to him, he, being compared to the vine, supplies us like branches with all the spiritual nourishment and resources we need to bear fruit. Now, most scholars agree that the fruit referred here uh, two here is Christ-like character or the fruit of the Spirit, which in Galatians 5.22 is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Why Jesus? Because when we abide in Jesus Christ, the true vine, we develop and manifest his character, which brings glory to God. Now we can even get a little bit more specific here in John chapter 15. We consider the fruit we are to bear, the character that we are to reflect. I went back in my notes. We've talked about this before. As a matter of fact, 
we spoke about this very thought on August the 31st, 2016. I know you remember all the details. <laughs> but there we looked at John 15 in a study you were doing, and we recognized that the, the call to abide in Christ, the word abide appeared 10 times, right? Abide in me, abide in me, abide in me, abide, 10 times. You think Jesus was trying to make a point? 10 times. As a teacher, I got, you know, I told you 100 times. Okay, you're, I'm exaggerating. I've told you 10 times. I told you 10 times, Dale, to abide in me. What's wrong with you? Why are you all the way over there? Why are you all the way? Abide in me. Stay close. I'm the source of your strength. I'm the source of your character, buddy. Abide in me. And if you do, you'll bear fruit. What fruit will you bear that brings glory to God? There's another word that appears in that chapter nine times. <laughs> told you ten times to abide in me. You know what I told you nine times to do? To love one another. See? We're to love. Friends, when we love one another as Jesus loves us, we will truly bring glory to our Heavenly Father. How loving are you? How loving am I? It's been a busy week. I was sharing with Rich and Marilyn that I'm, I'm retired from teaching, but I'm still working. I have the privilege of going somewhere every Sunday to talk about God's truth and try to encourage God's people, which is a great privilege for sure. But during the week, I work with my son-in-law and his brother in a couple of businesses, a rental business and a, and a dock business. I wander around Muskoka sometimes through the week and helping them install docks and stuff like that. And, and when that call comes to me, it usually is a 3.30 a.m. alarm. That happened this past week. So when Dale gets back from work at five to a house full of grandkids and a pool full of grandkids who have demands, grandpa isn't as loving as he should be. And I'll be honest, right? Little things can kind of irritate you, right? Like, why is all this garbage laying around the pool? You guys, you can pick it. No, I wasn't that harsh with them. Trust me. I love these kids. But, you know, and what came back to my head? What came back to my heart, Dale? <laughs> Show these special little kids God's given to you the love of Christ. So, Grandpa, as my wife encourages me to do from time to time, put the whistle back in my pocket that I've been carrying for 35 years in a gym. Just relax. It'll all be fine. We've got to learn to love. Why Jesus? Because when we abide in Jesus, when we follow him, we will learn to love. And we find that statement just in our, in our text, right? In John chapter 12, which Dave read for us, Jesus says, whoever serves me must follow me. And to follow him is to love. You know, it's, um, 
it's the middle of August, and I'm still on the teacher calendar. I still sort of, at home, I hear the crickets. Guess what that means? Time to go back to school, man, <laughs> right? There's just these things that take place that my, 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 I just respond to because I've been doing it for so long. And I want to share now a story with you that you're all familiar with. You've heard this illustration before. I've probably shared it with you before. I probably used it at Wildwood Bible Camp all those years ago for those who were there and a part of those sessions. But it's something I came back to often in my teaching career because it reminds me of who I am and who I should be. Ted Stollard undoubtedly qualifies as one of the least. Turned off by school, sloppy in appearance, expressionless, unattractive. Even his teacher, Miss Thompson, enjoyed bearing down her red pen as she placed X's beside his many wrong answers. If only she'd studied his records more carefully. First grade, Ted shows promise with his work and attitude, but it's a poor home situation. Second grade, Ted could do better. Mom's seriously ill. He receives a little help from home. Third grade, Ted's a good boy, but he's so serious. He's a, he struggles with learning, and his mom died this year. Grade four, Ted is very slow but well-behaved. His father shows absolutely no interest. Christmas arrived. The children piled elaborately wrapped gifts in their teacher's desk. Ted brought one, too. It was wrapped in brown paper and held together with scotch tape. Miss Thompson opened each gift as the children crowded around to watch. Out of Ted's package fell a gaudy rhinestone bracelet with half the stones missing and a bottle of cheap perfume. The children began to snicker, but she, she silenced them by splashing some of the perfume on her wrist and letting them smell it. She put the bracelet on, too. At day's end, after other children had left, Ted came by the teacher's desk and said, Miss Thompson, you, you smell just like my mom. <laughs> and the bracelet looks really pretty on you. I'm glad you like my presence. He left. Miss Thompson got down on her knees and asked God to forgive her and change her attitude. I've had to do that. I've had to do that many times. I didn't get very many Christmas presents as a high school teacher but I had one special kid bring to me unwrapped chocolate in his hand and give it to me to wish me Merry Christmas. <laughs> I've had to get down on my knees because there's been kids I've had a hard time showing any kind of love to. At the, the next day, the children were greeted by a reformed teacher, one committed to loving each of them, especially the ones who struggled, especially Ted. Surprisingly, or maybe not surprisingly, Ted began to show great improvement. He actually caught up with most of the students and even passed a few. Time came and went. Miss Thompson heard nothing from Ted for a long time. Then one day she received a note. Dear Miss Thompson, I want you to be the first to know I'll be graduating second in my class, my school. Wow. Love, Ted. Four years later, another note arrived. Dear Miss Thompson, they just told me I'll be graduating first in my class. I want you to be the first to know. University hasn't been easy, but you know what? I, I kind of like it. Love, Ted. Four years after that, dear Miss Thompson, as of today, I'm Theodore Stoller, MD. How about that? <laughs> I wanted you to be the first to know. See, I'm getting married next month, 27th to be exact. I want you to come and sit where my mom would sit if she were alive. You're the only family I have now. 
dad died last year. Miss Thompson attended that wedding and sat where Ted's mom would have sat. The compassion she had shown and the love that she had shown that young man entitled her to that privilege. Let's have some real courage and start giving to those who struggle. He may become, she may become a Ted Stollard. Even if that doesn't happen, we will have to be faithful to the one who has always treated us as unworthy as we are, like very special people. Look, we glorify God when we demonstrate Christ-like character. And Christ-like character is to love as Jesus has loved us. We glorify God with our character, but secondly, notice, we glorify God with our conduct. In Matthew 5, 16, we read these words in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds, your good works, in the context of our message, our good conduct, for what purpose? And glorify your Father in heaven. This text is taken from the Sermon on the Mount, which describes the desired character and conduct of those who are part of the kingdom of God. When our character and conduct reflect what is taught here, we will shine brightly before others and they will see our conduct, our good works, and glorify our Father in heaven. How brightly do you shine for Jesus Christ? What what light bulb are you shining into this dark world through your character, yes, but also through your conduct, your work, your deeds? One of the reno projects this week. Now, when I say I, I help with renos, like, I am, I am the star of unskilled laborers, right? I have no skills whatsoever, and they know that. But I'm the guy that cleans up, right? Um, people think I play golf every day. I don't. I, play, I do play golf. But the golf club's put down, and a broom handle is picked up. I, 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 I use a broom a lot during the week. And so this past week, we were finishing up a reno in a, in a bathroom, and all the nice tile and all that had been done. It's beautiful, beautiful home. Guys have done a nice job that I've swept up after. And my son-in-law was just doing some finishing touches. And what was he doing? He was putting in a dimmer switch. I thought, what is he in the middle of work? <laughs> a dimmer switch. Where does my light fall on a dimmer switch? Down here at the bottom? Or does it shine brightly for Christ? How about you? In Ephesians 5, 8, we read, For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. We glorify God when our character and conduct shine brightly in this world. We bring glory to God when we seek to complete the work he has given to us to do. Again, not to steal the thunder of those who are going to come after me in this series, but in John chapter 17, 4, Jesus prays this to his heavenly Father. Have you noticed this before? He says, I have brought you what? Glory. And I've brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. <laughs> Friends, when my life journey is done on this earth, am I going to be able to say that? <laughs> I finished the work you gave me to do. Will I be able to say that? How about you? What work has God called you to? He called Jesus Christ to come to this earth and go to the cross and shed his blood so that you and I could receive forgiveness from God. 
What a privilege it was to share communion with you this morning. What a beautiful way that is to begin our week, right? To begin it remembering what Jesus asked us to remember. To remember his death. To remember his body that was broken, his blood that was shed. So that we could be redeemed. So that the ransom price for our sins could be paid so that we could know forgiveness of our sins, so that our transgressions could be removed from us as far as the east is from the west. Ah, thank God for Jesus. Have you received that salvation that is available? I don't know everybody in this room. And when I travel around, I don't know anybody, everybody that's tuned in online. But why Jesus? Because you can be saved. Your, your sins can be forgiven. Your relationship with God restored. You can inherit the eternal hope of eternal life. Do you have that? Do you have this purpose in your life of seeking to glorify Him through your character and, and now through your conduct? What has God called you to do? Are you doing it? When, when you're called home to glory, whenever that will be, can, can you say like Jesus said... I glorified you because I did what you asked me to do. Well, what's he asked you to do? You know, we spend, I shouldn't say that. Sometimes, generally speaking, not here at Wallenstein, I mean that. We sometimes elevate what just happens here and what happens behind here in terms of work, in terms of service. Friends, regardless of what we're called to do, it is all of equal value in the kingdom of God. And if done with the purpose of bringing glory and honor to God, friends, what a, what a thing it is to know what God's called you to do and to do it. To give Him your all. What's that in your life? What's that in my life? You know, I was speaking at a church it's a number of years ago. And I've met so many wonderful people, so many people who have encouraged me and inspired me as I've gotten to know them over all these years of moving around and traveling around. And I was pulling into this church, and as I was pulling in, there was a man who was in his 80s who I, who I come to love dearly, and he's running out to his car with a vacuum cleaner. Okay, whatever. After the service, he comes to me, he says, Dale, as I look back on my life, I so wish I could have been able to stand behind a pulpit and stand in front of people and, and, and share my thoughts of the Lord with them, but, but I've never been able to do that. I said, Roy, I wish I could fix vacuum cleaners. I wish I could repair this guy. I can fix anything. I, I wish I had your skills. But he said, see, it's not about what you've got. And what I, it's not about that. It's what has God called you to do and are you doing it? And are you doing it to bring glory and honor to him? So the challenge is what has God called you to do? A 2009 article in the Chicago Tribune told the story of Betty Tucker, a Christian cook who works the night shift at Children's Memorial Hospital in Chicago. She's been doing her job for 43 years, 28 of them on the night shift. She sees a steady stream of parents in her job, many of them frightened and weary. 
On one particular night around the time the article was written, Miss Betty, as she's referred to by all who know her, served food to a mother whose three-year-old fell out of a second-story window. Another mother whose 17-year-old was battling a rare form of leukemia. And a third mom whose 18-year-old had endured seven hours of brain surgery. Their stories break the heart of Miss Betty, and as one co-worker interviewed for the article says, that's why she feeds every last one of them as if they had just walked into her little kitchen in her little house in that south side brick bungalow of Chicago. A member of the hospital's housekeeping crew adds this about Miss Betty, you need someone to bring you life, and she brings it in the middle of the dark night. A picture of Miss Betty that accompanied the article shows a woman with a beautiful smile. It's hard to imagine how much that smile would mean to a suffering parent or child. She says, when I ask, how are you doing today? And they say, it's not been a good day. I say, don't lose hope. When the nurses tell me it's been a bad night, I say, understand it's a bad night, but guess what? I'm here for you, and I'm going to help get you through this night. Another picture shows Betty sitting down, head bowed over a meal. I'm a praying lady, she says. Get this, get this. I pray every night for every room and every person in the hospital. I start with the basement and I go up floor by floor, room by room. I pray for the children, I pray for the families, I pray for the nurses and the doctors. I say every night while I'm driving in on the expressway, oh Lord, I don't know what I'll face tonight, but I pray you'll give me the love to guide me through. Oh, that brings glory to God. What are you doing to bring glory to God? What am I doing? Jesus said, Father, save me from this hour. No, no. It's for this hour I've come to glorify you. We do that through our character. We do that through our conduct. And thirdly, we do that through our collective commitment to unity. Never noticed this verse before. Romans 15, 6, what does it say? So that with one mind and one voice, you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> when we unite with one mind and one voice, as it were, we glorify the Lord. I am going to turn to Ephesians 4 and read just the first few verses of Ephesians 4. Those who were at Wildwood Bible Camp 20 years ago, I'm sure you'll remember this sermon too. I come back to this passage a lot. Ephesians 4, just let's read verses 1 through 6. As a prisoner for the Lord, Paul writes... As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort, underline it, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. 
The Apostle Paul is unjustly serving time in prison when he wrote this message. It's an urgent message that he's writing from prison. Some suggest he was chained to a Roman guard. And he has an urgent message for the readers of this letter. What do you think that urgent message would be if we stop reading after verse 1? If it were me, it would be something that sounds like this. Whoever reads this letter, find a lawyer, do what you need to do, get me out of here. Right? Years ago, I worked with a kid who was doing time in prison every weekend for crime he committed. And he, would, and he was doing it in adult jail. This wasn't juvie, which is bad enough. This was adult jail. And every Friday he would come to see me Friday afternoon before he was picked up and taken away for the weekend. Every Monday morning he would come back to me and I'd be the first person he'd see when he got into the building. And he was beside himself. Sir, you got to get me out of there. Will you talk to my parole officer? Will you talk to the judge? Talk to somebody, but you got to get me out of there. What was Paul's urgent message while in jail? It wasn't get me out of here. What was it? Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. <laughs> you see, when we collectively commit to uniting together, what happens? We glorify God. We glorify God. Do I make every effort to keep unity? Do you? When we do, we bring glory to the Lord. Am I a peacemaker or am I a peacebreaker? <laughs> See, returning to the Sermon on the Mount, I stay close to the Sermon on the Mount. Greatest sermon ever preached by the greatest preacher who ever preached. And there in the Beatitudes, or the attitudes that should be in all of us, we read this. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Friends, as never before in this polarized, divided world, it's urgent that we make every effort to maintain unity. When we do, God is glorified. In her book, Grapes of Wrath or Grace, Barbara Brockhoff tells the story of a group of American tourists who were taking a bus tour in Rome led by an English-speaking guide. Their first stop was a basilica and a piazza which was surrounded by several lanes of relentless Roman traffic. You ever been to Rome? You know what that's like. After they were all safely dropped off, the group climbed the steps for a tour of the church. Then they spread out to board the bus, which was now parked across the street from the church. The frantic guide shouted for the group in kind of his broken you know, Italian-English combo. He hollered out to them, You cross one by one, they hit you one by one. But if you cross together, they think you'll hurt the car. They won't hit you. There is always much to be said for unity, especially unity of the Spirit. United we stand, 
divided we fall. Did you get that? Do you want to glorify God in your individual and corporate life? Listen to Paul's urgent message. Remember his message in Romans 15, 6 where we start it, where we find that word glorify related to unity. But listen to his urgent message in Ephesians 4. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. I need to finish. (laughs) The purpose of the Lord Jesus Christ on earth was to glorify his heavenly Father, which we read in our passage in John chapter 12, and he perfectly did that. We should embrace Jesus Christ as our own personal Savior and seek to follow him as Lord, for in doing so, our lives take on incredible eternal meaning and purpose as we also seek to glorify the Lord through character, through conduct, through a collective commitment to unity. Why Jesus? Well, let me summarize the two weeks I've had with you, which I've appreciated so much. Why Jesus? Last week, well, why Jesus? Because Jesus is wonderful. Remember that? I broke what that word wonderful means. <laughs> he's amazing. He's astonishing. Why Jesus? Because he's willing to change our lives and give us new life like he gave Lazarus new life. Why Jesus? Because he is worthy. Why Jesus? Because when we follow Jesus, we understand that to follow him is to seek to glorify our heavenly father which we do through our conduct our character and our collective commitment to unity and having summarized the two weeks let me just finish with one final testimony if you will that sort of brings us all together and gives us another example to think about his name was benjamin budd he grew up in a small country town in ohio in a christian home What he wanted, more than anything, was to be special. He loved music and viewed it as his ticket to belonging. When his church needed a bass player, he was quick to fill the part. But eventually, he started to jam outside of the church where people drank alcohol and smoked more than cigarettes. Before long, he joined in this new lifestyle. Learning about the drug-fueled exploits of his favorite musicians, he figured that drinking and drugging would help him become a more creative songwriter. After turning 18, I got in trouble with the law for drinking, which got me kind of kicked out of the church band. (laughs) That was when I started playing in bars and nightclubs. As the shows grew bigger, so did my habit of drinking and getting high. As I turned 20, my life began turning numb. On Christmas Day, we found out that my mom had breast cancer, and nine months later, she passed away. On the day of her funeral, I got a bag of dope and a bottle of whiskey and jammed all night, wondering how my Jesus-loving mom could have suffered such an unjust fate. By now, his addiction was raging out of control. For nearly 10 years, he was popping pills, consuming whiskey like water, and snorting or smoking anything that would get him higher. Bud was in the process of losing losing himself, his friends, and eventually almost everything he had. It was hardly unusual, get this, for him to fall off the stage during a show because of his drugged stupor. 
He met Arthur Williams, a blues player who had performed with some of the greatest blues legends of all time, like B.B. King and Muddy Waters. Through him, he met and opened for legendary Chuck Berry, credited by many as the father of rock and roll. I was over the moon excited to meet these icons, but the experience changed me in ways I didn't expect. As I looked into their eyes, I somehow realized that music wouldn't ever fill my emptiness. Meanwhile, my addiction deepened. Almost every night, I blacked out and woke out up a complete mess. At the bottom of this downward spiral, I called a longtime friend, Missy. I told her I was sick. She spoke life into me. She shared the gospel. She told me that Jesus had a plan and purpose for my life. But I needed to quit drinking, and I needed to get off the drugs. Lying on my borrowed couch in an apartment with no electricity, he looked through the only thing left from his childhood, a green tub of odds and ends, There sat his mum's Bible with her handwriting all over it. I started reading my mum's Bible, turning to the book of Proverbs because that's what my dad would read to us growing up. Many passages grabbed my attention. Who has woe? Who has sorrow? Who has strife? Who has complaints? Who has needless bruises? Who has bloodshot eyes? I'm not sure what translation that is, but apparently that's in 23, 29. That was for me, for sure. But the verse that really stopped me in my tracks was Proverbs 4.19. The way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. I cried out to Jesus that night, and he saved me. He also started changing me by the power of his Holy Spirit. This didn't happen overnight, but by God's grace, I avoided falling back into addiction Meanwhile, God gave me a greater desire to pray and read his word. Missy and I have now been married for 11 years. And I've been free from drugs and alcohol the entire time. Friends, Jesus is willing to change you and to change me. And if we are grateful for all he's done in our lives, we are going to seek to glorify him through our character, our conduct, and our collective commitment to unity. There's a side note, a bottom note to this little article. Since accepting Christ, Benjamin and Missy have been blessed with the opportunity to do outreach ministry together, in part by hosting a Night of Hope, a concert geared toward helping people facing all types of addiction. And Benjamin has also uh, written a book, War of Good Warfare, War War Fighting the Battles Within. God has used this couple to do great things for him and bring glory to him. I pray that he'll continue to use you here at Wallenstein Bible Chapel as you collectively seek to bring glory to him. May God bless you and may God keep you. Lord, we just thank you so much for our time together today. Thank you for your love, your grace, your mercy. Bless each one who's here. Continue to use each one that's here. Continue to unite this congregation to shine brightly in this community, to bring others to Christ and to encourage each other along the road, which the time is difficult, it's hard. But we look to you and give thanks and seek to bring praise and glory to your name and his name. Amen. Christ is so worthy. Let's stand and let's um, end with.
Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My father will honor the one who serves me. Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Father, as we part from this place today, use each one here to bring glory and continue to bring glory and honor to you. We pray for each individual, each couple, each family that's represented here today. You know the struggles, you know the issues. We pray that we will just stay close to you and draw our strength and nourishment from you. And as we seek to live for you, might our character, our conduct, and our commitment to unity shine brightly into this dark world. Use us, Father, to glorify you and to encourage others to come to know you as Lord and Savior. Be with us as we part in Jesus' name. Amen. Great to be with you. And until our paths cross again, may the Lord bless you and keep you. Wayne has suggested that he and I and will be here at the front, and if others, any would like to come forward for conversation, for prayer, we'd be glad to meet with you here. You are dismissed. God bless you.